Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When the world looks at us, and they're watching us. You know, I told you that. When they look at us and we're going through this roller coaster of life and they see that, oh, we're not smiling, but we're okay. We're not panicked. We're not in terror, but our confidence is in the Lord. To be honest, that attitude in the midst of difficulty is contagious to the world. Actually, as our whole series is about, it's outrageous to unbelievers. Life is a roller coaster. Nobody only has ups or only downs. However, it may feel that way. As you look back at your life, you certainly can see really high highs as well as really low lows, ones you'd like to forget. The difference for the Christ follower, though, should be that you should sense the presence of the Holy Spirit alongside you, holding you up and giving you the strength to survive the lows and enjoy the highs. Pastor Mark is teaching the importance of letting God help you through the entirety of your life. As you do so, it shows the lost people around you that there is a way to find hope in this life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 with part 3 of his message, Rejoice in One Thing. No, guys, understand, the joy of the Lord is where we find fulfillment. And it comes because we have a vibrant relationship with the God who created us. See, these people are empty here. God created them a void that only he can fill. And so as I watched that, it just reminded me of how good God is and how wonderful it is to be able to teach you the word of God. It's my privilege so that you will understand how to be fruitful in life. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 16, Old Testament, and I want you to hear David talk about the goodness of God from the word of God. Old Testament, Genesis, halfway through, book of Psalms, Psalm 16. Notice what David says. He says it like this. Go to verse one. David, the great writer, he says this. Keep me safe, God, for, notice these words, in you, there's that relationship, in you I take refuge. Verse 2, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, personal. Here's a key, apart from you, I have no good thing. You see, as we abide in him, everything good flows to us through that relationship with Jesus Christ. Scoot on down to verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I want you to look at me for a moment. Some of you are shaken because of the report you got this week. 
or a death or a circumstance. Or you go to the doctor next week and you're very concerned. Don't be shaken. The gardener, all-knowing, all-powerful God, knows exactly where you're at. Have confidence in him this morning. Stop it. You can have joy and not be shaken. That's what David says. Look at verse 9. He goes on. Therefore, since I'm not going to be shaken, I'm not going to be panicked, my heart is glad and my tongue, what's the word? Rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Of course, much of this chapter is really written in a kind of a picture of the coming Messiah. But it applies to you and me. Here are the benefits of a Christ follower. Protection, joy, the promise of resurrection after we die. And then it gets even better. Look at verse 16. You have made known to me the path of life. You see, David is confident that God will show him the steps to take in life. What a blessing that is, knowing that I don't have to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I have divine direction from God. Then he says this, you will fill me with joy in your presence. As I'm doing life, I can be filled with the joy of God again. That my joy might be full. That my complete confidence that God knows what he's doing and it's going to be all right. And then he finishes with the best of all. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. To me, that sounds like the whole spirit-filled life we've just read. Joy, praise, rest, direction, assurance here on this earth. Abiding in the vine brings joy in everything that we need to be fruitful. And then look, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. At the end of the path of life, what awaits a Christian? Heaven. Remember, death is no enemy of the believer. Death is simply the real beginning of our life forever. So would you write this down and understand what David's saying to us from the word of God that never lies? He says this, we can have joy now... Because God is taking us to heaven. It doesn't matter all the ups and downs. It doesn't really matter. Of course, we won't be happy about it when they're disastrous. But we can have joy, a confidence, an underlying confidence that God's in control. The gardener is on duty. You see, when we get to heaven, there'll be joy forever without the difficulties of life and the heartaches. It'll be perfect. So number one, I, if I'm going to have joy in the Lord, I have to know his character. I have to have joy in himself as a person, who God is. Second, I have to understand he's given us his word to make sure I understand that we're just pilgrims traveling through. And all these ups and downs of life, the roller coaster, I can still have joy because he is the one I'm connected to. And number three, if you write this down, please, I can have joy in God's will his purposes for us. I'd ask you to turn in the New Testament to the book of Romans, chapter 8. As you go there, I love to dedicate children. You know, once a month we dedicate babies, two years and under. Why do I love to do that? Because when I hold them, 
I know this fact from the Bible. Before they were born, God has a plan and a purpose for them. You say, well, you might know that, Mark, but they live in a very difficult world. It's getting worse by the moment. It is. The roller coaster is getting much higher and much lower, but God never changes. Here's the verse that gives me the assurance as I dedicate those children. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me read it to you. You know it. God says this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You see, I can have joy in the Lord because I know his will and his purposes for me are good. And eventually, it's going to do great things in and through my life. Now, Romans 8.28 is a verse that many of you know. The problem is we never connect it with any other verses. We just read this verse. So let me show you how it fits together. Let's read it together. And we know that in how many things? Tell me. All things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to circle his purpose, and we'll be back in a moment, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, notice what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying, well, whatever happens is good. Breaking a tooth and having a car that won't start is not good. Having a death in a family, being laid off at work is not good. What Paul is saying is, God, our gardener, will work all of these things together in the end for good. But what is the good he's talking about? See, usually we think Paul is talking about the good life. That we have teeth that never have a cavity all the way to 100 years old. We never have to change the battery. It's good for life in the car. All the good things. Never have a flat tire everywhere. Every place you go, it's perfect. That's ridiculous. That's not life. That's fantasy land. Go over to Disney for a little while. Of course, when you pay the 100 bucks for the ticket, the good's gone. (laughs) So what is the good he's talking about? See, if you don't read verse 29, you miss the principle. Here's the good in verse 29. Look at it. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, you and I, what did he predestine me to be? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. So what is the good? The good is that God is at work in our lives making us like Jesus. To think, to act, and minister like Jesus. See, that's his purpose. God's purpose is to, in our lives, to make us like Jesus... Expand the kingdom of God, bear fruit, and make God look good to glorify him. That's the purpose of life. So some of these things come into our life so that we can understand that even in those difficulties, I can trust God. He's at work. He's always at the work in my life. You see, life just happens. Circumstances like this, God is permitted. If I'm not in active sin, nothing happens outside the control of God in my life. 
Now, I remove myself from his protection. Good luck. And sometimes he allows the enemy to bring things into our life. Sometimes he'll punish us to lovingly bring us back, just like you had a parent. If you have a two-year-old and you take him out for the very first time on the street and they want to head across the street, what are you going to say to them? I'll give it a try? No. If they head that way, you're going to grab them quickly. And you're going to say, no, 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 you cannot do that. It's dangerous for you. God does that. He'll bring us back and say, look, you're not going to do that. So sometimes you have to understand, let's be honest, we don't understand the ways of God. We don't understand why God allows some very difficult circumstances in our life. We do not understand that. But Paul tells us in spite of it, God is at work and he's making all things good. So bottom line, he gives us verse 31. Look at it. What then shall we say in response to this? That bad things happen to good people. God, where are you? Here's what we can say. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, you know the Balmer translation from this. Here's the Balmer translation. Since God is for us, who cares who's against us? Can I hear an amen somewhere? I mean, it doesn't matter. Is there anybody greater than God? Say no. No, there isn't. So it doesn't matter. You say, well, Pastor Mark, Satan's against me. Join me. Is Satan greater than God? No. Pastor Mark, all kinds of people are against us. Join me. Everybody like you? Then you must be a muffet or something. I don't know. No, they don't like you. They're against you. Are circumstances against us in life? Yes, they are. But listen to me. Read my lips. God is for us. Hallelujah. You and I have to understand that it doesn't matter because the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the nothing is impossible God is for us. And because of that, I can be joyful. Amen. Now, do I have to work at it? Yes. Because I don't want to be joyful. I don't like some of the things that happen to me. You don't either. Let me give you an illustration. Two more things and we'll close. Why am I commanded to be joyful? Two reasons. Write them down today. Number one, Nehemiah 8.10 says this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So here's what you want to write down. Why, why, should I, why am I commanded to be joyful? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength for living. You see, joy is a part of God's nature. It's that gift of the Spirit. It's his gift to us. It enables me to live life with power, with zeal, and assurance, no matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter what comes. That joy I need for everyday living. So I'm commanded to have it. You know, while we were on the ship, I forgot to tell you a couple other little things happened. First night, we were having a nice sleep. We're in the bottom, you know, good, good deal right at the bottom. I could touch the bottom of the water, actually, whatever. No, it was a, you open the curtain, there's nothing there, just a wall. So we're there, and about 3 in the morning, I hear this. Well, somebody's at my door. 
Two minutes later. Two minutes later. For an hour and a half. <laughs> Praise the Lord from all blessings come. We just got up, read the Bible, and had a wonderful time praising the Lord. It was a test. Well, we finally called, and they came and fixed something downstairs. It was an emergency door that got stuck open. The next night at 4 a.m., <laughs> we sang the second verse of the course we started on the first night, just to make sure we were okay with it. So next day I went down and I said, you know, we, we love the cruise. You guys have been fantastic, but we need a little sleep. So they moved us two floors up. We even had two portholes. Praise God. And then we met a steward who took care of us. He called us by our first names, Mark and Mary. My wife's name is Mary Linda. It goes by Linda. And as I watched him, he was smiling. And I said to him one day, because they all have their name, where they're from, all the country. We, you know, we've been all over, so we talked, well, we're missionary, we've done this and that and that. I said, where are you from? He said, Indonesia. I said, well, I'm a pastor, we're just here, it's our anniversary, we just love the Lord and whatever. He says, oh, you're, you're a Christian, you're a pastor. He said, man, I'm born again, I go to church when I get home of a thousand, a thousand people, we just love God. Now that's a miracle, because he's from Indonesia, which is a Muslim nation. And I said to him, I knew it, I knew it. I knew it. And you know how I knew it? Because of the joy of the Lord was on his face. That is the next reason that you and I are to be joyful. I want to read a passage to you. You'll know the story. King David, who's a man after God's own heart, saw a young lady bathing one night took her to his room, committed adultery, child came from that, husband, he had the husband killed, brought her to live in the palace, the child died, and for one year, David refused to admit to God that he'd sinned. His life, when the joy of the Lord comes out of you, it affects you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He writes in one of the Psalms that he be, his bones became like dry. There was no joy. For one year, he was entirely miserable. And God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan. Nathan told him a story, and finally David realized his sin. And he asked God to forgive him. I want to read the prayer to you. Listen, watch me. Psalm 51, it says this. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He had lived as a Christian for a year with no joy of the Lord. And he says, God, would you please restore the joy of the Lord? Because I can't live without it. I can't. It's my strength. I want you to write this down and you'll understand. I don't have time today. Maybe one of these days I'll do a whole thing on joy stealers. But here's the bottom line to it. Sin destroys the joy of our walk with God. Unconfessed sin just drains me of the joy of the Lord. So what does David do? 
He asked God to restore the joy of his life after he asked forgiveness. But notice, David had not lost his salvation. He'd lost the joy for living. David knew that God would forgive him and restore the joy that he absolutely had to have. He's thinking, what a dummy. I lived a year without the joy. He discovered, as I said to you, it affects us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But I want to read you the next verse. Because it wasn't only about David getting his joy back. Listen to the next verse. Remember, he says, God, restore my joy. Then it starts this way. Then, after my joy is restored, I will teach sinners your way. And sinners will turn back to you. Why do I need the joy of the Lord? Because I can't live without it. It's my strength. And number two, here's what you want to write. The joy of the Lord is needed to win the lost. David says, once I'm forgiven and I've been a year miserable, I can tell the world that God's gracious. He forgives. Do I deserve to be restored? No, but God restored my joy. Understand, when the world looks at us and they're watching us, you know, I told you that. When they look at us and we're going through this roller coaster of life and they see that, oh, we're not smiling, but we're okay, we're not panicked, we're not in terror, but our confidence is in the Lord. To be honest, that attitude in the midst of difficulty is contagious to the world. Actually, as our whole series is about, it's outrageous to unbelievers. How can you be that way when these things are happening in your life? Because I have the joy of the Lord, which means I have complete confidence that what he's doing, he's in control of. And eventually, it's going to be okay. I want you to see this last verse, then we're going to pray. Romans 14, 17. Sometimes we make church too complicated. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Notice, for the kingdom of God, serving God, is not about eating, drinking, what day you worship, what you wear to church, how long the service is, what kind of music you have, all the crazy stuff that we try to think it is. It's not about any of that. Notice what it's about. But it's living a life of goodness, peace. What's the next word? Joy. In the Holy Spirit. See, that's what, that's what life's all about. And the world wants it in the worst way. But if we're like the world, they won't ever come to us. That's why we have to be filled with the joy of the Lord. It's a command. Rejoice in one thing in the Lord. His character, His word, and His purpose for you. Good. Today, Pastor Mark gave you a reminder of the benefits of having the joy of the Lord rather than depending on fickle happiness to survive this life. Knowing that you're going to heaven, that you've been forgiven of your sins, and that you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you right now to help you navigate this life, well, that's plenty of reason to rejoice in the Lord. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes the teaching, Rejoice in One Thing. We hope it's been beneficial to your walk as a Christ follower. Next time, we will begin the teaching, Worry About No Thing. Pastor Mark will be teaching about your need as a Christ follower to give over your worries to God. He wants you to understand that he has your life all mapped out. He knows what's best for you. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.